Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the fourth installment in our Denis Villeneuve movie review series. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. And we are reviewing all of Denis' films leading up to the sci-fi epic Dune coming out October 1st. I absolutely cannot wait. It has been confirmed. It will be theatrical only. No HBO Max for Dune. Good. (laughs) And that is a good thing because if you want a Dune sequel, this is only part one, then we really need those box office numbers to get the funding for the sequel Mm -hmm. to show that there is enough interest and money for it. So I absolutely can't wait. I'm counting down the days. It comes out in four months and 10 days. Um, It's my most anticipated movie of the year. So Alan and I thought, what better time than to go back and review all of Denise films, which hasn't been easy, listeners, because some of these movies are extremely difficult to get your hands on, particularly these early ones. Now, from Incendies mm-hmm. on out, I actually picked this one up on Blu-ray for this review. So this is readily available. Um, the rest of his movies aren't hard to get your hands on. So this is actually our last Denis review until we pick up with part two of the series in september when we pick back up with enemy we'll talk a little bit more about that but i just wanted to give you a heads up next week we are going to be reviewing a quiet place part two we did move that review up because they removed the theatrical release day up and they're really making it easy on us yeah. <laughs> with, with trying to figure this all out. But I'm pretty excited to bring you our review of Quiet Place Part 2 next week. And then we will be decompressing. We'll be de-stressing with the Kung Fu Panda trilogy, which I was surprised to find out during our research. It's a highly regarded trilogy across the board. So it's not just some rinky-dink kids film. But nevertheless... It'll be good to um, de-stress with the Kung Fu Panda series, especially after this review. I know Alan said that Polytechnique was heavy. He did not tell me this movie was heavy. And I'll make the case in some ways, Incendies is probably Denis' heaviest film. Um, I think think this is the last Denis film that I have yet to see, actually. I've seen the rest of them, just we haven't reviewed them yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, from here on out, uh, you know, I would say that if you've heard the name Denis Villeneuve, you've probably seen his movies. You probably haven't seen Incendies, I would think. Um, It's probably more unlikely that you haven't. Um, But like Arrival, Sicario, Believe It or 2049, you've probably seen those. So, yeah, this kind of stops it at like the point uh, that I guess we consider to be like... Denny's tipping point. This is the movie that really pushed him over the edge into a more mainstream America movie, uh, more mainstream America. So it's kind of fitting, I suppose, to kind of stop it here for now and pick it up a little bit later, right before his release of Dune. Um, but you might be right, Corbin. This might be one of one of the heaviest ones. Um, we'll get into that in a second or two. 
But yeah, this is, and I guess at this point it's not really much of a secret. Uh, this is a heavy movie, and it's kind of fitting, kind of goes along with what Denise is like when it comes to being a filmmaker. His films are usually pretty, pretty heavy movies. They hit pretty hard, um, and that's kind of not going to not exactly going to stop from here on out either. Um, so that'll be fun when we pick it up later on. And if you're curious about the background for Incendies, then we did create your guide to the film that came out last Thursday. That's the first link in the description below. We talk about box office, critical reception, the production, how the movie came to be. That is a short podcast Alan and I do together. We always release your guide to the movies we review on Monday just to give you some knowledge coming into this movie, what it's all about. And while you're down in the description below, we do have a curated list of either movies we reviewed from that year or movies we think that would go well with this review. Of course, we've reviewed Denny's previous three films. We've also reviewed Blade Runner 2049. Those links are in the description below. We're on all major podcast platforms, so we also have links to those. If you want to jump ship and go to a different podcast platform, then that's available as well. Of course, our social media pages, our YouTube page, we've got some great video content on there as well for you to check out. And then, of course, our Patreon page. If you want to financially support us and get some great bonus content, hang out with us on a more personal level, just kind of a one-on-one -on -one over there, then check out our Patreon page. Of course, if you're ready to just jump straight into the review, timestamps are always down there as well. And no matter where you're at, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a short written review really helps us in the rankings as well. So no matter where you're at, one of our goals is to be verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes so we can influence the score, not just report on it. And the best way and the what is freest a word? I don't know. The free and easiest way to help us out is just to leave us five stars. That is a great help and we really appreciate it, listeners. All right, Alan, I'm curious. I've never really quite heard of this movie, but come to find out as I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh gosh, I better warn Alan what he's going into. Come to find out you've already seen this movie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I watched this... Uh, if I remember right, I watched it not long after I graduated college. I was hanging out at home for for a little while before I ended up getting a job. Um, and one day I was like, well, Incendies is on Netflix. And it's a Denis Villeneuve movie. I know about that movie. I like Denis Villeneuve. I'm going to watch Incendies. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, my score... I guess I'll save it for later what I thought about it when we get into actual ratings and recommendations later on. But I will say it definitely was positive, but I did not know what I was getting myself into. So I haven't watched it since then. Um, maybe we'll talk about and maybe maybe that will, you know, kind of reveal why. Mm -hmm. um, but it has been a while. But I remember liking it when I when I first watched it. Uh, I, guess, I guess it's been about two or three years. Well, yeah, about two years now. I did actually watch it twice for this review. Once just straight through, I took notes. And then the second time, I did watch with director's commentary, which was very insightful for some things. I think it's more for those that are interested in film. Um, he doesn't give a lot of story revelations, but he does give a few. I'll try and talk about some of that throughout the podcast here. But technically, I've seen the film twice now. 
I did give it, let me think about this. I, I want to say I gave it about a week in between viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about why in the plot summary here. No spoilers just yet. But Alan, would this trailer get you into theaters if you knew about it? If you if you were one of the 90 theaters was close by you, would you go see it or rent it? Maybe I should say. Right. Um, so if I'm going in with the pre-knowledge of, you know, having seen all of his movies up until this point, um, I would be curious. I would be wondering, like, you know, okay, now this looks a bit more serious this time. Um, I wonder what Denis Villeneuve can do this time around, right? So I'd be curious. Um, but if I if I had only seen the trailer and hadn't really seen any of his, of his other stuff, uh, I would be confused. And I would probably point and laugh at this trailer because uh, at least the two that I watched on IMDb, I didn't think were very good at all. They felt very cheesy, especially the the one that flashes all like the the titles where it's just like in into a past they never knew and things like that. That's <laughs> when I was like, all right, um, I think I'll pass on this one. So mm. if I was judging by the trailers alone, probably wouldn't get me in. But if I had again the pre knowledge of you no know, knowing Denevo enough, I I might be there. I will most likely be there in the theater to watch this. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking of it. I'm not sure which trailer I watched. I don't know if it was the first or second one, but whichever one I watched, I personally found the trailer to be compelling and well edited. Um, okay, actually, now that I think about it, it's the trailer that was on the Blu-ray. So it could have been a different trailer then because I watched two of them and they were on IMDb. Yeah, it's possible we saw a different trailer because I didn't have any of that reaction to what you had whatsoever. I really thought this trailer was really good and would very much interest me in the movie. But that's interesting. I'll have to go b- go back and watch those IMDb trailers because I want to see what what they did with it. Apparently, they kind of uh, messed it up, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I thought they were, especially the one with the title cards, that one felt kind of cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Incendies and you don't want the film spoiled for you, then go ahead and click pause, go ahead, rent the film, and then come back and click play here on the podcast, and we'll be ready to talk about it. This plot was fun to write, so just buckle up and stick with me, listeners. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad I got to do Kung Fu Panda. In 2009, the Marwan twins, John, played by Melissa... Desromu Pouline and Simone played by Maxim Gaudet, who was the shooter in Denis' last film, Polytechnique, are read their mother's will by her notary, Jean Labelle, played by Remy Girard. Just an interesting note, Denis' father is a notary and his uncles were were notaries. So all of like his families were notaries. So that's why he incorporated that here into the movie. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Jean also happened to be her boss for 18 years. Recently, at the community pool, their mother, played by Lubna Azabal, went into a catatonic state, never came out of it, and passed away. During the reading of her will, the twins learn of seemingly crazy demands their mother made right before her death. They must find their brother and father, give them letters, and only then will she allow herself to be properly buried. Simone finds this ridiculous, but Jean sets out on a globetrotting adventure to find her brother. The only problem is they have no brother, as far as they know. 
Oh, and their father died in the war. The daughter travels to Daresh, where she shows her mother's picture to an old employee at the school there. He tells her that the photo was taken at the Kafariyat prison in the south. She travels to her mother's hometown, but once there, she is mysteriously rejected and told to go home by the women who say her mother brought disgrace on their village. Finally, the daughter makes it to the prison where she learns from a janitor who used to be a prison guard, her mother was known as the woman who sings, or Prisoner 72. She was in the prison for 15 years, and she never broke, even when the torturer Abu Tariq, played by Abdel Ghaffor Elias, raped and tortured her repeatedly. Ultimately, she became pregnant, and once she gave birth, she was released and re relocated to Canada. Jean, upset by this news that her brother was born in prison and of rape, tells her brother Simone on the phone to come immediately. He reluctantly agrees, bringing along with him their notary, who has a useful contact, Mr. Madad, played by Alan Altman. <laughs> he helps them find the nurse who helped their mother give birth, but this brings with it another shocking revelation. The nurse informs them they are the children born in the prison. With this new information, they must solve the last piece of the puzzle. Who, then, is their brother? Thanks to Madad, they learn their mother's first child was given up to an orphanage in 1970. His name was Nihad, but in 1974, the orphanage was destroyed by a warlord named Chamsadeen, played by Mohammed Majd. He trained Nihad to be a master sniper. Eventually, Nihad became obsessed with war and finding his mother. He wanted to be a martyr, so his mother would see his face plastered on posters all over the country, but Chamsadeen refused. When the enemy ultimately invaded, Nihad was trained to be a torturer and was sent to Kaifa Riyad prison, where he changed his name to Abu Tariq. Oh, it's still devastating just to say it. Oh, just to think about it. Simone tells his sister of this terrifying revelation that their brother is also their father. See, when their mother was at the pool, she saw a man with three dots on his heel. Decades ago, she gave birth out of wedlock. Her lover, Wahab, played by Hamed Najem, was murdered by her brother. And this disgrace of pregnancy out of wedlock led to her grandmother, sending her to a university where her uncle taught. The baby, given a three-dot tattoo on his heel, was sent to an orphanage, which, which one she didn't know. When the war disrupted her life at the university, she left her uncle and went in search of her son. Through many near-death experiences and finding all the orphanages abandoned or burned, she finally came into the employment of Chamsadeen. She tutored his son, but she secretly hated him for what he did to the orphanages, so she tried to assassinate him, but failed. This led to her imprisonment, impregnation, and finally migration to Canada. Which, if I'm not mistaken, it, it is Chamsadeen who helps her relocate to Canada. That scene is very confusing in the movie, but that's seemingly what Denise said in the commentary. When she saw the man with the three dots on his heel was not just her son, but the father of her children. She wrote two letters on her deathbed, so her children would finally understand their origins and the Marwan family would have peace, breaking the chain of anger. The twins deliver both letters to now Nihad Harmony, once he reads the devastating truth, now everyone has peace as he visits his mother's grave as credits roll. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like I mentioned a little bit ago, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. 
um, when I sat down to watch this movie initially back a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so when it comes to the big twist that the, the father is also the brother, I was like, in the son, in the son, (laughs) I was like, oh, oh, why would, did he ever go there? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it deals. And this is again, kind of nothing new. Um, last time it was mostly dealt around, you know, a school shooting, um, which it showed in detail. This time around, it's about a fam- kind of like a I, kind of I guess like a disc- dysfunctional family, um, but one that's just like torn apart. Um, but they don't really know why, uh, and then come to find out, you know, uh, the brother or the son and the father are the same person. So, I gotta say, um, even before all that's revealed, I know that something's. I know that something maybe. Um, Rough is going to happen later on when they are read the will and the mom explains how she wants to be buried, which is face down, completely naked, no casket, no gravestone um, in the ground, that kind of a thing. That's mm-hmm. when I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this is pretty this Strange. is pretty serious, I suppose. Um, I wonder what's going to happen next. So immediately I'm just like, oh, man, this is already getting into it. I where is he going to go from here? Yeah, and it makes sense once you see the entirety of the movie how it is a Greek mm-hmm. tragedy because there is a Greek character, Oedipus Rex, who is, his mom gives birth to him. He is banished for some reason and then he comes back and he – I think he rides into town with this guy. He kills the guy or something and he sleeps with the woman. Come to find out that woman was his mom. Oh, it's, I think it's, it's like his evil stepfather or something. And that's a Greek play. So this kind of follows that. And this isn't quite Denis' original idea, it should say. This is based, based off the play. We do talk about that in Your Guide to Incendies. But nevertheless, he did have to change some stuff. And he did write this. The writer of the play only has, you know, based on the play credits, he did not write any of this. The opening of the movie actually opens on Nihad, which we don't realize is the sun, but we see the three tattoos. And the I, th- I think the number three is very prevalent because there's three children, but then there is also the mom and her two children. And there's just always kind of these three characters coming in and, a, in and around trying to solve a mystery. Even later on in the movie, there is Simone and the notary and their guide those three characters are going into the village to find chamsadeen so we open actually on nihad after he has been taken from the orphanage the orphanage has been burned and he is shaving his head and that's our first visual clue is not the three dots but his shaved head Um, when we see him later as a sniper and then we see abu tarik he has the same shaved head and it's a very weird opening almost like a music video it's just this weird tragedy of the child like looking straight into the camera just looking at us and just this annihilation of innocence you could call it yeah it's definitely the inception of what will become right it's Mm -hmm. that what we're seeing at the beginning which is not exactly revealed to us until much later into the film what we're seeing is like the beginning of like this tragedy that's going to happen, right? Of course, mom has some stuff that happens before this when she does give birth to him. Um, but in terms of like the journey that our twins go on, like this is more or less like the beginning point of the tragedy that's going to happen to them later. 
Um, so you're right. It is kind of eerie to see this too, where it's a child kind of being, you know, put into some kind of militia um, against his will after the burning of his, well, we come to find out, find out the, this, the, after the burning of his orphanage. Um, so yeah, again, uh, opening even before we get to the reading of the will, it's opening with some pretty heavy things here. Um, but you do attribute that three dot uh, tattoo pretty heavily too, because we know that when we see later on when he when the baby is actually tattooed, we know that, okay, there's obviously that connection. And then of course it comes to be kind of the thing that puts mom into a catatonic state later on in the movie when she notices him at the pool. So yeah, this scene too, again, it's really, of course it's really important, um, but it's also one that, you know, you kind of like how this movie is a mystery that continues to un uh, unroll itself as these characters get deeper into, you know, the history and the journey of their mom, uh, things just along with the story just kind of unroll itself as it goes along, right? And it is like a puzzle movie that you have to kind of put together as it, of course, reveals things. Yeah, and it is important to note that we open on Nihad losing peace in his life. He is losing his innocence, mm -hmm. but the final shot is Nihad standing over his mother's grave. And we realize right. that a some sort of peace has been restored to his life. That missing piece is finally there. And also we do get to see, as you just brought up, Alan, the mother is properly buried. And I think it's a very interesting way. The, the movie opens in complete mystery. And it is the opening of this mystery. And I really like how it's told kind of in parallel, how the children's journey of discovering who their mom is parallels their mom's, you know, journey in life. And ultimately, they kind of intersect in the middle. So the editing, the storytelling structure, I'm just going to say it now. This movie should have been nominated for more than just best foreign language film. It should have got screenplay. Um, sound design, cinematography, editing. I mean, Denis should have been nominated for Best Director. I really think this movie got snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, hey, at least it got Best Foreign Language nomination. Yes. Um, it didn't win, but at least it got a nomination. So at least it made it to the Oscars. But I, I agree. I'm kind of wondering where's screenplay, uh, where's cinematography, uh, where's directing even. Yeah. Um, where are, are these things for a movie like this? Maybe back a few years ago, it wasn't as like, I, I guess, much of a thing to see a foreign language film hop into other categories like we've seen in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Either way, <laughs> I'm with you. I think that this should definitely, definitely does deserve more Oscars than just foreign language film. Yeah, and it is important to also dissect how... Uh, the Canadian scenes are shot and then how the scenes are shot over in the Middle East because Denis wanted us to feel this kind of coldness up in Canada. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of dark and bone chilling and it's just kind of supposed to be a portrayal of their life. I really like the shot when we see the daughter return to the pool and it's all iced over and there's just something really kind of stale about everything and just uh, just this like really ugly fluorescence almost. It's very, very pretty in a way, but it also is very depressing. Whereas over in the Middle East scenes, the scenes are very bright. That's just how it looks over there, which is fascinating because the contrast is the Canadian people are living in 
peace and freedom, whereas the Middle East people are living in war, but it is much brighter lit. But as we go along with um, their mother's Nawal's journey, um, the scenes get darker and darker. And then mm-hmm. they kind of brighten up a little bit and then they go back to getting darker and darker. It's very well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we've already mentioned, just the way that this film looks is amazing, which is, again, I guess, kind of nothing new for Denis Villeneuve. Um, so far, I think all of his films have looked at least very well done. Oh, yeah. um, very you know, well at the done. very least, even his first film, which uh, was, was a surprise to us how good it looked. Um, nothing's really changed in terms I guess nothing's really gotten worse um, to us. Every single one of his films so far have looked amazing. And this is no exception to the rule. I got to say, Alan, I know you watched it this time in standard definition, but if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray, I was really astounded. This is one of the best Blu-rays I've actually ever seen. The reproduction of color, the skin tones, it is almost like I could reach out and touch it. It, It's shockingly good, especially for a movie that's 10 years old. It's probably because it was shot on film and you can, you really get that filmic look to it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a gorgeous looking Blu-ray. And also I did get to listen to the lossless audio, no compression. The sounds are just transportive in this movie when they are walking through these fields. It was shot in Jordan. Um, I have never been to Jordan. I seen Jordan with my own eyes. Actually, mm. I've been to Israel. There's a lot that looks, um, very similar. The movie opens on the Golan Heights. I've been in the Golan Heights. Um, but it did really bring me back to when I was in Israel. Um, these winds blowing through the trees, these rocks moving, um, just the way the city looks. Um, I think Denis, does a fantastic job of showing not telling for the most part in this oh. movie where he oh, just yeah. folds you into the story you don't know really what's going on but you just gotta you gotta buckle up and you are going to become a character into the story right no exactly and i kind of want to go back uh, just a little bit to what you mentioned um a while ago uh you mentioned that you know you these when the movie finally finishes, right, everyone finally has some kind of peace um, with this whole situation. Uh, Nihad finds peace when the truth is revealed. The twins, of course, which is our, our main leads here, they find peace finally figuring out, you know, the truth about their father um, and the truth about the mysterious brother that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um, and what we find out is this movie, I feel, is full of dichotomies, right? We have a lot of things where we have one and then we also have the complete opposite, right? So we have, of course, peace and turmoil where we have at the very end, uh, we have our, all, as I just mentioned, all of our characters are finally at rest. They finally have the truth um, and can live with that versus the wars that are happening in almost every other scene with the mom in this movie which are, you know, obviously the complete opposite. Then you've also got that dichotomy of love and hate, right? Which I think is probably the biggest one, uh, or at least the biggest topic of this movie when it comes to the family. Because, you know, when Nihad is born, he is born out of, out of what mom says. He was your your father or son or, or brother, I guess, uh, was born out of love. And therefore, by extension, you are also born out of love, Right. Uh, when she's talking to her twins. But when we really look at it, you know, when the way that the twins were born, it almost feels like it was out of a, it was, it was out of her being tortured. It was out of hate, right? Um, so we have a lot of dichotomies here um, between, you know, love and hate. 
um, peace and war, things like that. There are a lot of them in this movie. There are a lot of contrasts. Um, and like you mentioned also um, with just how it was shot. Canada's shot very bleakly. Everything is just kind of very drab versus in the Middle East, things are a bit more brighter. It feels like things are more alive there, even though uh, things are fine um, when it comes to the societal structure in uh, Canada and totally not the same way when you get to the Middle East. Yeah, and it is also important to note that these bright scenes in the Middle East also provide a sense that these characters have hope that they will get to the truth. Whereas mm -hmm. in Canada, there really is nothing left. When we finally come back to the brother, it's raining outside in Canada. He's really not doing much. Um, one of the scenes where they are just coming from the notary's office and they're standing outside and um, Denis wanted to play a lot with shadows in this. He wanted a lot of the stuff to be in shadows, the truth to be obscured. And we see these two characters standing outside by the car having this conversation in a large shadow. And Denis wanted us to feel that they are utterly alone in this world. Their mother is dead. They don't know who their father was. They are Canadian, but their mom is an immigrant. They just don't really quite fit in. And the sister wants to get down to the bottom of it where the brother is just ready to have enough of it. But you're right. It is interesting because in order to have catharsis, they have to go through the pain. And we do see right. this painful journey, but ultimately it leads to that peace and catharsis. So this movie is full of dichotomies. It's full of opposites. In a prison, two children are born out of, you know, horror. Life comes forth and whatnot. It is a beautifully tragic story. That is mm -hmm. my oxymoron <laughs> to describe the film. But I got to say, Alan, uh, while we're talking about the story, I, I got to say, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I'm halfway through the movie and I realized this really is like Godfather level style storytelling. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't even believe it because those movies are just regarded as some of the best. And who knows, maybe Incendies will be up there someday. But this is kind of reminding me of what Coppola tried to do with Godfather 2 where it's a prequel and a sequel combined. I think Denis does a lot better here. Uh, originally, Denis wanted this movie to be three hours long. And his oh. producer was like, eh, no, you can make it a little over mm -hmm. two, but probably not three. Um, the play is four hours long. So there's more to this story if you ever get to see the play. But I got to say, this storytelling is extremely impressive. We don't see this level of storytelling very often, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I was surprised to find out that this is based off of a play, right? Um, nowadays, I feel like you can almost tell when a movie is based off of a play. For a, for a more recent example, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, for me, at least, especially when they like have scenes where they're delivering dialogue, um, it, you can really feel uh, that it, it was written, not, not necessarily bad, but you can just kind of tell that it is you know, from another medium, um, at least in that instance, I didn't even know that this was a play um, before we got into the background for it, which is a surprise to me because, as I mentioned, you know, sometimes you can kind of tell when those things are the, are the case. So I think that also kind of leads to, you know, I, and I wonder, you know, how much um, Denis moved from, you know, what was like 
what was different between the play and the movie, how much he moved to just try and tell it as much of it visually as he can. I wonder, you know, what the differences are between the two of them. Because, the, yeah, you're right. This is for, so far, I would say, not to give too much away here, I think this is definitely one of Denis' best, if not his best so far, what we've mm-hmm. seen. And even that's kind of a high bar because, it, as we mentioned, his previous films, while not amazing, have been, you know, for a first-time director or a new director on the scene, really well comp- really well put together and really competent. But now to come out with this after, I mean, he's after this, he was gone for a number of years and then Polytech, did Polytechnique, um, and now does this. This is very impressive. I'm very impressed by this. This is exactly what I was talking about in those previous reviews was this is the promise to come that Denis was showing such promise with those early movies, which are good in their own right. But I knew he had this level of greatness in him. I didn't know one thing about Incendies. I didn't read the back cover. I didn't watch a trailer. I went in 100% blind with this movie. And I will tell you, Alan, it's kind of funny. My journey with this movie was, I'd probably say about an hour in, I'm like, mm-hmm. this movie is fine. I, re- I Because I knew the scores for this movie, that it was just critically acclaimed across the board, just one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm like halfway and I'm like, I'm not seeing it. Okay, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Okay, about two thirds of the way in, I'm like, okay, this is like, okay, I get it. It's a great movie. They did a great job with it. I'm going to hold off what I thought about it until my final score at the very end. But this is one of those movies where I think you really got to give it a chance all the way through. You really have to sit down from beginning to end because you just don't quite know what's going on until the very end. And it's definitely one of those movies that once you watch it again, because it it is an epic in some ways. I will say it is like on the level of like Lawrence of Arabia or Dr. Zhivago, where the story takes place over 40 years and it has multiple different generations. It, it spans continents. It goes across the globe. Um, it's a really big story, but Denis does a fantastic job of keeping it focused. And maybe that is honestly attributable to the budget. They just didn't have a big budget. They had to get really creative with the story that they were telling and make sure to mm-hmm. streamline some stuff. But he still gave it that epic feeling. Um, my favorite shot in the movie, I think, is her kneeling down um, in front of like the burning buses in the background. She's in the foreground kneeling down after the Christian terrorists just wipe out the bus. It's crazy, um, which is right. actually based on a true event that actually happened. Um, it's just a fantastic shot. Yeah. And I know that um, I, I think I saw this on the wikipedia page incendies is french i believe for fires um and there are mm-hmm. a number of those in this movie like as we mentioned when the bus is burned down is I, I think one of the bigger examples of at least mom attributing mom to the fires um but then we also see a lot of aftermath after that because she tries to go find her son in the orphanage and the orphanage is burnt down um mm-hmm. so and then if there are a number of other examples but there is there is that too right um where when we first i think it's i think it's when we first meet the daughter it is like kind of playing back when mom kind of just goes into that catatonic state when the swimming pool um versus mom who uh is almost seemingly in the in the line of fire or out in the middle of nowhere where there like is like little water right 
so it, it, there was another dichotomy there, I guess we could say, between the mother and daughter, oh, yeah. where the daughter feels like, you know, we see her a number of times when she's in the pool um, and the mom's like in the complete opposite state. So there is a number of those things too, where, you know, there's kind of like this, you know, beauty's coming from, uh, from something horrible, right? What comes out of, you know, what the mom went through, which is a, you know, a lot of war and destruction, you know, she did at least give birth to these two kids who are, are able to then reveal the truth um, after so many years. Yes, that's a good point as well about the fires and coming back to the title of the movie is the mom's journey. Everything is just constantly burning down around her, whereas with the kid's journey, and it is important to note once the mom is released from prison, she comes to a ravine. She crosses the water. And that is kind of her release as well. Um, Denis shot that scene really dark. He said he wanted it to feel like it was just something out of the Bible. Like there's no lights. That's just how dark it would be. Just wanted it to feel very ancient. And whereas with the twins, as their story continues, um, there's a great shot of them once they learn that they are the children born in the prison, they both go swimming. The next shot of them is cannonballing into the water and swimming. And that is Denis calls it straight out. He's like water, you know, reminds you of birth. And these, you know, two are almost going back to realizing what their birth means in that moment. Um, it's a great dichotomy once again between the fires and the water and how they both kind of tell you know, the horror leads to the redemption, but the redemption can only come through the tragedy. It's just really fantastic across the board. One of my other favorite shots real quick before we move on to other things is the shot of Nawal coming down the apartment stairs. I think it's either late at night or early in the morning. It's a really dim, narrow shot and it shows the layers of the city, but it's almost like two dimensional because you can see um, her going down while the city is rising up in the background. It's not a shot I don't think most people would notice, but there's just so many of these shots um, in this movie. That just look so good. And uh, Denis talked about that, how he would like really chicken out on some things and he would try, like he would do the safe shots and then he would get really mad and he would just cut them and get rid of them. And he would go for these more gutsy shots, which I'm glad he did. Yeah. You know, this movie isn't all 100% serious. I think a little bit of Denis' dry humor comes into play once in a while. Like... um. When Simone, uh, those two guys from Champsidine want to take him there and he says, let me go put on my clothes real quick. And one of the guys says, he's making a phone call. And the other guy says, that's okay. And then it cuts to them walking in the hotel lobby and, you know, um, Simone walks through the metal detector and it doesn't go off. And then both guys walk through and the metal detector goes off and it just shows you like, oh yeah, the metal yeah. detector is kind of pointless and these guys don't really follow the rules. It's, just, it's a funny shot, funny scene. Yeah. You know, that. Has, now that you mentioned it, I forgot to mention this earlier. It's kind of funny how, you know, uh, the Jean, I think is her name. Uh, Jean goes on this whole adventure to essentially following in her mom's footsteps, right? She goes to everywhere um, that her mom went, but it's, the, it's her brother, Simone, that finds out the truth and then re kind of reveals the truth to her when it's all said and done. Um, because he goes to visit, 
ah, what's his name? The guy, the guy who raided the uh, the orphanage and Jihad. Yeah, um, they he goes visit at him and he explains it, but we don't get to see that. Um, it's later on when uh, he goes back to the hotel room and he says, "What does one plus one equal?" And then mm-hmm. she finally gets it. Um, it's kind of funny how the you know Gene goes on this whole adventure to, and he's kind of like, I don't want to go. You know, he's pretty much on the background until the very end of the story. Um, after the first act, he finally comes back, and he's kind of the one who reveals the truth to his sister. I really do like that because it it makes sense why the brother takes the brunt of the pain where Mm -hmm. the daughter is realizing these things, but it's like the women in that family have gone through enough heartbreak that the brother is brought in at the very end. Cause I was surprised about that too. He's not in much of the movie, but he's brought in to take the brunt of the pain. And yeah, when the sister realizes it and that noise of shock she makes, I feel that I feel the pain that she is emoting there. Uh, It's who it, the movie gets harder to watch as it goes on. But the other thing that I thought was clever about the storytelling is oftentimes Denis wanted us to be confused just for a moment about whose story we're actually watching here. Are we watching Nawal's The Mom or are we watching, you know, the daughter's story? And I even felt that way at times too, particularly how it's edited where I'm expecting that shot to be of the mom because we're following her story and then all of a sudden it cuts back to the present. And I really do love how these stories intertwine and the stories are almost one in the same, how it is her lineage, it's her legacy, it's her ancestry and they're living it out and they're coming to explore it and come to grips with it. And that's presented very well through editing. Um, One of the other editing things that I, I never realized was when we first see Abu Tarak in the prison with the mom, we see him at first walk around her in this kind of menacing way. And then mm-hmm. we cut back to him walking backwards the same way that he came. That's actually the same shot, but in reverse. Um, I thought that really? was a very, yeah, I thought that was a very unique choice. The editor did the exact same shot, but she reversed it. And then he said, that's to make us realize that Abu Tariq isn't quite human anymore. There's something about his humanity that's been lost and we that's visually portrayed by he, him repeating the same action but in a different way. So when you when you actually I encourage you Alan and listeners to go back and watch that scene and you'll see the shot in reverse. It's very well done and it does mm-hmm. give you kind of a even a new perspective on the character. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess I never really noticed that uh, there was even a shot in reverse at all in this movie. Um, I'll have to look out for that when I when I watch it next, which uh, I'm sure it won't be soon, but I'm, I'm sure I'll <laughs> come back to it at some point. Um, but one of my other things, too, is um, there's also like with many dichotomies, right, uh, that are in this movie, there's this one big theme in here that's like, you know, that's about truth, right? The truth, I guess you could say like the truth will set you free. Or in this case, the truth is going to bring peace to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's going to be hard to hear that your brother and your uh, your brother and your father are the same person. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's finally going to bring you peace, right? It's also going to be revealed because, you know, finally even 
even Nihad at the very end of the story understands where he's at. So there is also that too, that really big theme. Uh, I think that's one of the big things that really follows through with the moms, like what the mom's trying to go for is, is that, you know, the truth will, you know, the truth is going to come out in some way, even in death, the truth comes out. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the big things I also picked up on, especially with mom's story, um, is her fight to reveal the truth. So everything can finally be at peace. Yeah, I really did love the line. I wrote it down in the letter. She says, for all are silent before the truth. And I think that's mm -hmm. really powerful because in a movie where there's not a lot of dialogue, but there is a lot going on with these characters, we finally get this moment at the end to just be silent and settle ourselves in before the truth and come to terms with it. And I really found the letter she wrote to the two letters she wrote to the son um, are beautiful. And then the letter she wrote to the children is just beautiful. Also, just just superb writing, talking about breaking the chain of anger and how she can, you know, finally cradle you, sing you a lullaby. I mean, it's heartbreaking. And honestly, not many other movies have pulled me in like this, where, you know, I just have gone through this tragedy and heartbreak and I can actually feel that with these characters. We talk a lot about on here sometimes how writers and directors struggle to make a connection with the audience and with the character. I will say this is one of the finest examples of getting us connected with the characters, making us feel something for them, really feel something. And it, it's right here. And it's, and it's really interesting because at first, we just don't know much about Abu Tarek, except he's just this monster. He's this not a human anymore. Yet at the end, he is humanized. He has this utterly tragic life, this utterly horrifying life that he's going to have to live with, you know, for the rest of his days. But instead of seeing him get punished, we see that even he has to come to peace and come to terms with it. And the play is actually based on the Lebanon Civil War. And Denis is trying to insert some of that here into the movie. So I thought it was very interesting. Um, a lot of the extras are actually refugees who have gone oh, through wow. their own um, civil war in the Middle East. So um, and a lot of the crew in the Middle East experienced this movie as well. So Denis said oftentimes when they were shooting scenes, the crew would would actually be crying because it hit mm -hmm. so close to home. And a lot of the people were very happy he was making this movie, though, because they were glad this story was told what was going on. This isn't some kind of fictional make believe story, even though it's so, right. you know, horrifying and tragic. The horrible thing is this kind of thing happens in these Middle Eastern civil wars. And this movie kind of brings that to light. So it works on that level as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I was wondering about that too, because I, when I was watching it for the first time, um, I didn't really know like if this war was made up for the film or if, and that's kind of what I just defaulted to, like, oh, it must have just been made up. But after doing a little bit of research into it, it's, yeah, like you mentioned, it's based off of the Lebanon civil war, which is uh, like a big civil fight between, um, it was between Muslims and, and Christians. And there is a lot of, uh, 
uh, Christian imagery in this movie. Like, I think we see a cross multiple, multiple times, either hanging on a wall or, of course, mom has one. Um, so we see a lot of a lot of that kind of imagery in this. And I would say that maybe um, there is even in terms of how the story is told, you know, especially with the 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 that theme of, you know, truth coming, you know, truth being revealed, um, breaking the chain of anger. Um, even the three dots, for example, could be construed or even read as you know, something to do with Christianity. I think that that's mm -hmm. something that I, I definitely noticed this time around that I didn't. I don't know if I how much I saw the first time I watched this, but there's definitely those Im those images um, and also how again another dichotomy, I suppose, how, you know, both religions are about peace, but they're at war with each other. Um, so also that I guess to consider as well. There definitely is those Christian themes of redemption and salvation for these characters and definitely for truth. I mean, that is what Jesus said. The truth will set you free. You know, all those who are of the truth will listen to my voice. So there definitely is those themes underlying this movie. Yeah, no wall is a Christian um, in the Middle East. And yeah, the Christians and Muslims are fighting and... It, it is very confusing, honestly, um, all the kind of political intrigue going on. It's hard to keep straight, but it is important to note that Nawal is a Christian and the, the weird thing is the Christians are actually the ones that ultimately imprison her and torture her because mm -hmm. Chamsadeen is one of the Christian leaders and he's the one that throws her in prison. Chamsadeen, of course you know, trains them. So they're not Muslim terrorists. They're not jihadis or anything like that. They're actually Christian terrorists, right. <laughs> believe it or right. not. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. Um, that absolutely should never be the case and should never ever happen. But there is mm -hmm. kind of that, um, there is that twist there, that sad twist of what Christians can do to people. And at the same time, there still is that redempt that Christian redemption as well. Um, as we see with the letters there at the very end, even though it's not like specifically right. like called out or anything. So it's brought up pretty early on too, um, that Jean is a mathematician, right? We kind of see like a brief glimpse of her like teaching one of the classes as a special mm -hmm. guest. Um, and when she talks with her, I think, I don't know if it's like, you know, her mentor or it's the guy who was, who was also running the class. Right. Um, they talk afterwards and they have a pretty important discussion, um, about math. Let me see if I can find the actual quote here. So I, I guess I don't have the, 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 well, I guess I do have a quote here. It's, um, well, I guess I don't have the quote, but close enough. Um, it talks about how, you know, when it comes to some certain things in mathematics, there are some things that are totally insoluble. Uh, for example, the Collatz conjecture is one that's brought up. And I kind of looked it up. It's some math problem that is apparently like one of the hardest. It's, it's incredibly hard to solve. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think it's been solved since then. Um, but basically, from what I'm reading, from what I'm attributing this to it, is that, you know, when they're rela it's relating math to the adventure that she's about to go on, right? And how it's going to be a big puzzle to her to put everything together and solve the problem, right? So I think I thought it was kind of interesting that they brought math into this to kind of relate to the journey that she's about to go on because she is a mathematician. And when it gets down to it, it's, you know, the brother, her brother, Simone, gives her a math problem, I guess. It says one plus one, what does it equal, right? Um, 
that's what reveals that's what you know has her then understand and know the answer to you know who is my father who or who was my other brother um, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting to brought to bring those two together. I don't know. I guess my my a small criticism for me was would be I don't know if it necessarily works well into the film, but <laughs> I think it's smart nonetheless. It is subtle. You're right. That is something that is brought up in the beginning while she's she kind of just goes back to work in Canada with the math. But there is a twofold purpose to that scene is not just to bring up that she is very smart about math, but also because that guy has a contact. And Daresh at the Daresh University right. for her to go see. And there is that problem where she's clearly a very smart woman, but life isn't always like a math problem. It can be hard, but it's not always logical. And that just gets down to the heart of this movie is that ultimately life is not going to be logical. It's not going to play out. And that's kind of what her brother, I think, was getting to is Mm -hmm. like, this is the truth, but it's not logical. Ultimately, it just doesn't make sense. And that's, I mean, that's true. Sometimes the truth doesn't make sense, but it's, that's why it's called true. It's because that's what it is. And so I, I really do like that as well. It's very subtle. I maybe almost wish it was maybe a little less subtle or or used a little bit more but there is a lot surrounding this movie that i really think on repeat viewings you could go back and watch and pick up on some of this stuff that we're talking about because there's a lot surrounding this movie i mean even with the scene where they're in the pool i don't know if you got this feeling alan but when the brother and sister are in the pool i thought they were about to kiss but they hug <laughs> instead. Yeah. So that's not um, an accident, actually. Denis wanted us to feel that weird, almost incestuous feeling there for a minute just to realize they were born out of incest, actually. Mm-hmm. And of course, this, of course, the brother and sister aren't going to go down that road. They're going to hug. But there is a lot of subtle hints throughout this movie about where their origins are, and what the entire truth of this movie is. I mean, if you go back to that early scene where the daughter remembers the pool, um, which is very interesting because the mom um, clearly is well, at least at the tail end of summer when the pool is open, and then it's winter, um, or maybe that's what fall is like in Canada, I don't know. But then um, she dies in the fall. So you can see that her life comes to an end kind of right when it seems very, you know, peaceful. Everybody's happy. And then it comes to an end Mm -hmm. and the twins must figure it out in a very bleak season. You can see Abu Tariq at the pool. We have no idea that's him, but he is clearly in the shot if you look. And I was like, oh, wow. I was blown away that they actually reveal his character and you think you haven't seen him but you've already seen him and you don't even know it right yeah wouldn't that be weird your brother and your father was at the same swimming pool as you and you didn't even know it that would be weird that That would be be real weird (laughs) the only thing that i'll say might be disappointing is it's kind of weird because we um we actually get ahead of the characters for once in this movie so we know that she gave birth to the twins in prison but the twins don't realize that it's them and mm-hmm. normally you want to learn information at the same time as your character 
Otherwise, you're stuck in what I call the James Bond Thunderball scenario, where you know the entirety of what's going on, but James Bond doesn't realize it until like the final act of the movie, which just makes for a frustrating time. Thankfully, um, the best twists are yet to come, but that is just one of those weird moments where we know something these characters don't, which just feels a little off track, I would say. Right. Yeah, that that is an interesting point to bring up, too. I wonder if maybe Denis was trying to, like, have the audience like, oh, okay, I think I understand now, um, only to then kind of rip the rug out of, from underneath them and be like, yeah, but, you know, they were also born out of incest um, a little bit later on. I wonder if maybe that was his point. I don't know. But I think you're right. I think that uh, yeah, usually you want to be alongside with your main characters, not necessarily ahead uh, of them. But I think, as like you mentioned, I think it's like well, the only instance of something like that in this movie. Yeah, it's the only one that I picked up on. All right, Alan, I'm very, very curious what rating you're going to give this movie. So what is your rating and recommendation for Incendies? So when I first watched Incendies, like I mentioned, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't really <laughs> know what to think about it coming out of it. So I gave it an eight. Um, but it was more of a reluctant kind where I liked what I saw, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know, I didn't really understand everything about it, right? I, of course, caught the twi the big twist, um, but I didn't put the pieces together as like, why was there a war? Why was there, uh, you know, why were why was Gene going to the Middle East? Like th those kinds of things, right? Um, so I'm glad I got to watch it again for this review. And I actually, I'm kind of glad that I watched it before we did this because I knew it was going to come so I could watch out for it and see how it played into the story. So yeah, I can say that for a movie that is two hours and 11 minutes long, you know, somewhat long, um, I was never bored. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Denny built a movie um, and edited a movie and wrote a movie as engaging as Incendies, however tragic it may be. Um, it's a story that I knew what was going to happen coming into it this time, but was also kind of excited to watch it again, despite it, me knowing how heavy it's going to get. So I ended up uh, loving Incendies again, even I get even more so way more so than I had when I first watched it. Um, it's a movie that has, like we mentioned a lot to it and even, you know, we kind of pick, packed it all into this podcast somewhat densely. Um, but there's a lot to this movie. There's a lot to see. There's a lot to unpack. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, the legacy that their mom leaves behind with these two twins. So I would say if you haven't seen Incendies, you should definitely give it a shot. Um, it's definitely one that, you know, as high ratings has us, I feel like not too many people have had the experience, uh, had an opportunity to experience it. Um, I, I watched it, it was on Netflix. Um, and it has of course been taken off since then. Um, so now you can rent it for off of Amazon prime, but I would definitely say if you can get your hands on it, definitely watch it. I'm going to give it a nine out of 10, pretty high recommend for me. Incendies is a film we really can't prepare for. At first, it seems like a straightforward tale about a family's quest to understand their lineage and the toll war takes through the generations. While the film technically is about that, it's actually about so much more. Through masterful editing, visceral cinematography, and crisp sound design, I'm transported to the world of Incendies. I, like the brother at first, don't see much use in going on this globetrotting mission. In a semi-memento-slash-Godfather-2 fashion, we're given two different stories, one in the past, the other in the present, 
that ultimately intersect at the end. I am so grateful I went into this film not knowing a thing about the plot. As I go along with John, I'm pulled further into the mystery of her mother, father, and brother. An hour in, I think it's a fine film. What's all the hype about? An hour and 30 minutes in, I realize this is really a great film. But once I come right up to the epilogue, I realize this is a masterpiece in storytelling and filmmaking. When John figures out her brother is her father, I'm heartbroken along with her. I feel her pain. When Nawal realizes her torturer is not only her long-lost son, but the father of her children, I, like her, don't have the words. This is also a prime example of a film that rewards on repeat viewings. I will appreciate the story and learn so much more on subsequent watches. And Cindy's really does deserve the critical praise it received. Denis not getting nominated for Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, or the myriad of other nominations this film deserved, but didn't receive is a true shame on the Academy. This really is one of the great films of cinema. And Cindy's receives 10 stars out of 10 with my highest recommendation. I wondered. You know, it's been a while <laughs> since we've had a 10 on uh, the podcast, I feel. But I wondered it's, if it was going to be a 10. It's been a while. You're right. Now, now you've got me curious. What, what was the last 10? Uh, good thing I write it all down. <laughs> okay, so the last 10 was... Uh, was it your our, birthday pick? Uh, the, you're right. The last 10 was my birthday pick, 12 Angry Men. Fair enough. Yeah, I think so, did we both give that 10s. Um, yeah, we both gave it a 10. And that was about three, a little over three months ago, three months and 13 days ago. So yeah, mm. it's been a quarter of a year since we've given a 10. Yeah, so I guess it has been a bit, a, a little bit since we gave it 10. But <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily undeserved for a film like this. Mm. No, absolutely not. So, Alan, do I even have to ask if this is a pickup or pass? It's kind of funny because when I first watched it, I didn't pick it up. Um, mm -hmm. It was one where I was like, I, I like it. I like what I saw, but I, I don't know if it's one I want to own. After watching <laughs> it this time, of, of course, I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. Whenever I decide I want to spend $15, um, I'm going to get it. That's probably going to be in the next Blu-ray purchase that I make. But yes, the answer is yes. I definitely want to get this on Blu-ray and add to my collection. Yeah, it's not necessarily a cheap Blu-ray, especially for how long it's been out. I mm -hmm. bit the bullet and I picked it up, um, kind of like you did with uh, Jinro, The Wolf Brigade. That one's just not going to come down. And if you want it, you just got to mm -hmm. buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is kind of just the life when you watch a lot of indie films, mm -hmm. kind of like this, a lot of independent foreign language films. The Blu-rays will usually don't go below 15 bucks which is right eh, great <laughs> yeah that is true so this was a blind buy for me normally my rule is i don't buy a movie unless i've already seen it except when it comes to dollar tree then i don't give a care and i'll just buy 50 movies and who, who cares but i'm actually really happy i picked this one up and it's in my collection now so definitely happy to add another denny film well, Alan, I'm curious, what other film and TV recommendations do you have for the listeners? Or it could even be a video game. So I have a handful. Um, okay. There was a movie called Cap Capernaum that came out. It was in the Oscars a few years ago. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's about i remember when i did my like oscar like uh what was it it was our oscar predictions i remember right. bringing this movie up and i was like my only thing about it is it's uh oh it was my end of year um it was my end of year movies uh for what i watched that year i said this movie is interesting but the plot sounds weird where a kid sues his parents um it definitely has um some similar vibes especially when it comes to that dichotomy of love and hate um because it is about a little kid suing his parents for uh, i forget the reason but i'm gonna keep that as a surprise too but it's definitely one that is like him trekking through more poverty trying to survive um I'm also going to recommend, this is going to be a, str- a bit of a strange one, but hear me out. Uh, Gets in the Trial of Vivian Anselm. Um, it's an Israeli movie um, that's about uh, kind of the same thing again. It's about love and hate, I suppose. It's about marriage and divorce. Um, and at least in where this movie's set, it's, you know, how hard it can be for some a woman to get out of marriage. Um I'm debating if I should recommend Krisha. I might just do it anyways, because um, <laughs> it is about a mother and son. Um, definitely not as uh, the same thing as it is in this movie, but I'm going to say Krisha. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, those three. So those are my three recommendations. All right. My recommendations are Fight Club. <laughs> Believe it or not. Interesting choice. I'm recommending Fight Club because... Not everything is as it seems with that movie. So I think there's a kind of a disorienting feel with both of these. I'm also going to be recommending V for Vendetta. There's a lot of similarities between um, V is actually Prisoner 5. She's Prisoner 72. Um, Even some of those um, Arabic characters, which I don't think a lot of listeners know. I studied Arabic for four years. So I can speak Arabic. I've been in the Middle East. I've been to Palestine. I've spoken Arabic with some people over there, some nice people I met. Um, I'm also going to be recommending, of course, I'm going to recommend The Godfather Part 2. I think this movie owes some of its storytelling structure to The Godfather Part 2. Um, I'm also going to be recommending The Usual Suspects, which I mm-hmm. think there is um, some crossover here with those reveals. I think this is, this goes up with like, the great twists of all time in the end of the movies. Um, definitely those movies. And now this comes to my final recommendation, which I think Christopher Nolan owes a big debt to Denny. I'm recommending the dark Knight rises because okay, you real, I, I just couldn't help but notice that the dark Knight rises is always talking about the child born in the prison, the child born in the dark or whatever. And you come to realize you think it's Bane, but it's actually, I'm spoiling Dark Knight Rises right now, listeners. So if you haven't seen it, (laughs) I don't know where you've been, but skip ahead like 30 seconds or whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of similarities to the child born in the prison and trying to find, you know, the father was Ra's al Ghul and whatnot. There's a heck of a lot of similarities to, you know, prisoners and whatnot in this in the dark Knight rises. So those are my recommendations. Well, listeners, Denis would come back two years later with his fifth film and his first film to be a, well, first film to fully be in English outside of polytechnic, I would say, and actually utilizing big name stars. He is now 
Um, in good with Warner Brothers. This is a Warner Brothers production. It is the 2013 fall film Prisoners, which I believe was actually the first Denis film that I ever saw. I saw it in the theater. And yeah, it came out seven years ago. We actually reviewed the film just a little over four years ago in March 2017. So mm -hmm. we will actually be that review was only available if you paid. I think it was about a dollar to listen to it. But we are going to be re-releasing -re that review sometime soon with a new introduction from us and then we will go into the original review from there i'm very curious to just listen to that review myself and see how far the podcast has come and then of course i just want to revisit denise fifth film um just just to see the style similarities now that i have watched his first four films but for the new Denis reviews, we will be reviewing Enemy, which is also based on um, a previous work that's already been made. I believe it's based on a book, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. So that will be a while until you get to hear our review for Enemy. That review drops in three months and 20 days. So we've got a little bit to go on that one. But it's a good thing we're probably taking a break from Denis need a little breather here yeah. so as i said at the top of the podcast listeners next week we will be coming back with our review of a quiet place part two i can't wait it's about time that movie has been it's been like over a year now since that movie was supposed to be theatrically released and then we will be going into kung fu panda trilogy so i'm excited for that of course if you want to know the full release date as of this podcast episode, of course, dates can change with movies, but we do have backups. Click the link in the description below for the full release calendar. You can explore that. There is a countdown feature that we added, which will count down until the theatrical release of the movie and count down until the episode release for our review. So that gives you an easy, convenient way to see how much time you've got before the movie comes out and before we review it. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, if your family had a mysterious past, would you want to know about it, or would you rather it just stay in the past? I gotta say, Alan, if my family had a mysterious past, I think I would just leave it there. I don't think I would go on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to know to a point. Um, what that point would be, I don't know until I do research. If it was something like this movie, um... It might be by accident that I find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. And listeners, we will see you next week with A Quiet Place Part 2. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. 
All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Word. Oh, I spiked the mic. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, they talk afterwards and they have a pretty important discussion um, about math. Let me see if I can find the actual quote here. Um, um, I, I had it and I just lost it in my, my sea of notes. <laughs> Control F math. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if that comes up with anything. Oh, wrong window. Aha, I found it.